Welcome back to another episode of Inside Oversight, an official podcast of the VA Office of Inspector General. This is your host, Adam Roy. Today, we're talking about culture of safety. According to the Joint Commission, an independent not-for-profit organization that accredits and certifies U.S. healthcare facilities and programs, including the Veterans Health Administration's healthcare system, a culture of safety within a medical facility is a reflection of all staff beliefs, attitudes, and priorities in sharing responsibility and minimizing harm to patients as a result of patient care. Now, the VA's National Center for Patient Safety, or NCPS, says a necessary component of a culture of safety is a just culture. Just culture describes an environment where VA employees are able to report medical errors without fear, and all employees assume accountability for reporting safety issues. But what happens when a facility's patient safety program fails to comply with patient safety processes and procedures, or doesn't follow standard practices, such as completing mandatory reports on incidents, or when leaders fail to hold staff accountable or take action to resolve safety-related issues? I have Amanda Newton, an Associate Director with the Office of Healthcare Inspections, here to help me answer those questions and more as we discuss an OIG report we published this past February. Amanda is a certified safety expert with a wealth of experience looking at medical facilities and the implementation of patient safety programs. She recently was part of a team that completed a healthcare inspection of the Tuscaloosa VA Medical Center in Alabama, where she and her team identified patient safety program deficiencies and a lack of oversight by facility leaders. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Hi, Adam. I'm doing great. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you too. And also for reference listeners, we're going to be talking about the report deficiencies in the patient safety program and oversight provided by facility and visit leaders at the Tuscaloosa VA Medical Center in Alabama. Amanda, before we get into the details of that specific report, can you share your experiences as a patient safety expert? What makes your work so unique? Sure. Uh, so before coming to the OIG, I actually worked for the U.S. Army as a civilian in a military treatment facility. My last four years there, I was the facility's patient safety manager. As the patient safety manager, it was my job to lead the development and sustainment of the facility's patient safety program. And, you know, even though I was the patient safety manager whose job really was the lead of the program, patient safety is really a shared responsibility among all of the staff in the healthcare facility. And in our work in patient safety and as patient safety experts is unique because we work with not only the staff at the lower level, but the facility leaders and really everyone to create that shared sense of responsibility. And it's that that's critical to developing that culture of safety that you mentioned in your introduction. And, you know, and what does that mean? Like, why is that important? Well, first and foremost, it means that there's this organizational commitment to address safety concerns. And that means that we as the organization, we're aware of where there's areas that are high risk and we're determined to achieve consistently safe operations. It also means that we work together collaboratively. So that means everyone works together and it's regardless of like your rank, your position, your discipline, we work together to find solutions to those patient safety issues. And most importantly, like you mentioned earlier, too, you work to create that blame-free environment where staff are able to report errors without 
feeling the fear of reprisal or reprimand. And as you can imagine, this is a huge task. It's a challenging task. Healthcare organizations are very complex. And, you know, the mistakes that we make actually impact our patients. And so there's really no margin for error here. And there's many things that are essential to creating patient safety within the VHA. And that's everything from tracking and monitoring and reviewing these patient safety events as they occur, compliance with VHA requirements, is ensuring that we're supervising our staff, uh, it's oversight by the VISN leadership, lots of things are a part of it. And I'm excited to get to talk to you more about some of these things today. Thank you. That's an excellent overview. Let's get into the uh, report a little bit. What events led the VAOIG to conduct this specific healthcare inspection? Sure. So in September of 2021, another OIG team was actually on-site conducting a separate healthcare inspection at the Tuscaloosa facility. And while they were there, uh, this team received a copy of what's called an issue brief. And this is just a tool that's used by facility leaders to sort of provide information up the chain of command. So from the facility up to senior leadership of VHA. And usually they use them to, talk, to tell about a significant event. So this can be something like a death or another unusual incident. And if you remember, I spoke about one of the things essential to patient safety within VHA is this idea of ensuring that we're complying with VHA requirements. Well, this issue brief from September of 21 that was sent by facility leaders up to the Vision 7 leaders actually identified there were several areas where the facility's patient safety program was not meeting that those VHA requirements, and along with some other potential issues with the program. And so some of the things that were included were some failures to complete reporting of patient safety incidents within required timeframes. There were failures to complete a required number of patient safety analyses. There are also issues with the facility's former patient safety manager not attending committee meetings related to patient safety. And it was due to the potential impacts to patient safety of these deficiencies that were identified in the issue brief that this second inspection was initiated. And that's the inspection report that we're discussing today. And so also during that inspection, our team identified some other concerns. And those were concerns related to facility leaders and vision leaders' oversight of the patient safety program, along with the facility's culture of safety. So you have the, the issue brief, and then that led to the report we're talking about today. From the report, you know, you, I understand there's, there's quite a documented history of patient safety program concerns. Can you elaborate a little bit on that as well? Sure. These issues were even more troubling because the facility was on notice from actually from our prior OIG work and our prior OIG inspections. So the OIG had published what's called a Comprehensive Healthcare Inspection Program or a CHIP report back in 2019 that had identified similar issues related to compliance with the patient safety program requirements at the facility. That report made recommendations for improvement. And then there was actually another or a subsequent chip inspection in 2020 that found no evidence that the facility had resolved those prior recommendations that had been made. And so unfortunately, our team actually found that the issues that these previous chip inspections had identified had remained unresolved at the facility when we were there. And I'll talk more in depth about that later. Gotcha. 
And this report's really going to focus on DHA's patient safety program. And before we get into the specifics of this, you know, the report we're here to talk about, can you share the program's goal? You know, what is the goal of the patient safety program? And describe its approach to improving patient safety and ultimately creating a culture of safety. So one thing I want to note that's kind of exciting is that actually since the publication of this report, VHA has actually updated their patient safety program directive. And so this is the directive that's going to outline the goals of the patient safety program, the requirements of the program, and provides all of the guidance to the facilities for what they're supposed to do related to patient safety. This was something that we had been waiting on for a while. That's been recently updated, but the program's goal and objectives really remain the same. You know, they haven't changed that much. And in some of those we've already mentioned, since we talked about the creation of a culture of safety, you mentioned the idea of a just culture. But there's also a focus on what we call the principles of high reliability or high reliability organizations. And high reliability organizations are those who experience fewer, what we, we talk about, fewer than anticipated accidents or events of harm. And this is despite the fact that they are highly complex and high-risk environments. So you can think a little bit about, when you think about a high-reliability organization, you can think of like the airline industry or like the nuclear industry. So they're very high-risk. If there's something that goes wrong, it's going to be catastrophic, right? Lots of people are going to be hurt. These industries have implemented principles that help to strengthen their processes and their procedures to create that culture of safety. They also focus on ensuring that their staff feel supported and feel that they can speak up if something goes wrong. And so VHA's patient safety program is taking a similar approach to reducing patient harm and striving to become a high reliability organization. And so the processes that are set forth in this new directive outline a lot of elements that help to not only to foster a culture of safety, but to drive the organization towards becoming a high reliability organization. And so these are going to be things like we've mentioned as, you know, reporting events when they occur and ensuring that we're reviewing and we're analyzing these patient safety events to make sure that they don't happen again. And that's really the main goal and objective of the program is that we're identifying what can go wrong that can harm our patients so that we can put things in place to ensure that they don't happen again. Excellent. And the patient safety program deploys a couple critical elements. Um, One, the joint patient safety reporting system, and then also root cause analysis, uh, both of which this report describes in detail. Uh, Can you talk about those? Let's start with the joint patient safety reporting system. Use the document track result patient safety events Can you describe how this system works and who in the facility interacts with it? Sure. So the Joint Patient Safety Reporting System, we call it the JPSR. It's actually an electronic patient safety reporting system. It's like a database electronic report that any staff can go in and use to report patient safety events. And this can be everyone from housekeeping staff to the facility director can use this system. And It's used to report things like medication errors, patient falls, wrong site surgeries, any patient event that could be something that actually harms a patient 
or has the potential to harm a patient. It's kind of interesting, and this is kind of just a side note, it's called the Joint Patient Safety Reporting System because the system was actually first implemented by the Department of Defense, and VHA later joined with the DOD to use the system together. It was actually the same system that I use when I was a patient safety manager for the DOD. And as patient safety managers, we use the JPSR system to review and follow up each reported patient safety event. Patient safety managers will take a look at the event when it's reported. They determine whether there's further actions and further review is required. Sometimes they will enlist the assistance of additional facility staff to investigate patient safety events. And then once that review and investigation is complete, the patient safety manager will again take a look at that report and they close it out in the system. And VHA has a requirement that those events are completed or closed in the system within 14 days of being reported. And that's so that we ensure that we are reviewing events timely and acting upon them in a timely manner. Yeah, how does yeah, how does the root cause analysis uh, the deployment of that fit into this process? Sure. When those events get reported in the JPSR, depending on the severity of the event and the type of the event, they may trigger something that we call a root cause analysis. And a root cause analysis is a type of a patient safety analysis where we go back and we look at an event after it occurs. So it's, it's what we call like a reactive or a retrospective review. And we use root cause analysis, we also call them RCAs, to identify those factors that either caused or contributed to the patient safety event. And as a part of a just culture, uh, we talked about a just culture. We want to make sure that we're not focusing just on an individual's failure, but we want to look at how the system itself fail. Because really more often than not, when an event occurs or an error or a mistake happens, it happens not because a single person made a mistake, but because the system itself wasn't set up in a way to help prevent that error from occurring. So we look at what processes were absent, you know, what checks and balances weren't there. Uh, For example, um, if there's a medication error that occurs, We'll go back and we'll look to see with an RCA if there was a system in place that could have prevented that error from occurring. And some of those things that can be put in place to prevent medication errors are things like barcode scanning. If you've ever been at the hospital and seen the nurse scan your armband and scan a medication, they're doing that to ensure that they're giving the right medication to the right patient. There are also systems like automated medication dispensers. Those are systems that we can put in place to prevent humans from making mistakes. And RCAs help us to identify those sort of fixes that we can put in place. And once we've reviewed an event with an RCA and determined what went wrong, and those things that go wrong, we call these root causes. We implement those corrective actions that hopefully prevent events from happening in the future. So that's the root cause analysis process. Absolutely. Thank you. And looking at the, you know, the, the Tuscaloosa report, it focused on the patient safety manager, you know, an individual who had to work within the patient safety program within the system. Of course, there were some challenges there. You know, uh, your team found some, you know, some deficiencies and challenges some failed actions that patient safety manager took. 
Can you get into a little bit of that? Describe some of the challenges that this patient safety manager was facing, and then also maybe just the challenges that the system created that didn't help that patient safety manager do his or her job correctly or proficiently. So the former patient safety manager there at Tuscaloosa had been in that position for quite some time and had retired there in in September of 2021. And it was at that time that the facility discovered the deficiencies with the facility's patient safety program. I've mentioned, you know, several times now the VHA requirements for patient safety programs and the importance of ensuring compliance with those requirements. One thing I've mentioned is that patient safety managers should close out JPSR events within 14 days of submission. This former patient safety manager, by the end of their tenure there at Tuscaloosa, was failing to meet that 14-day requirement for closing JPSRs. Uh, And when our team spoke with the former patient safety manager, they described a very strong history of staff reporting. So staff were reporting events in the JPSR system. There was a large number of reports that came in, but the patient safety manager reported and acknowledged that there were times where events in the JPSR were incomplete and may not have been finalized timely. And they attributed that to some challenges of managing just the workload of the volume of events and explained to us that facility leadership had not supplied some additional staffing resources that had been requested to support the program. Also, you know, remember I had mentioned that patient safety managers can assign or ask other staff to help with investigations with JPSR events. We call these investigators. The former patient safety manager also told our team that there were some challenges with investigators and that there were challenges working with frontline staff in the investigation process to sort of resolve issues or or really just to resolve the JPSR documents themselves. And that this sort of led to prioritizing resolving the issues themselves over ensuring completion of the documentation in the JPSR. And that, that kind of led to this abundance of incomplete JPSRs. Also, the former patient safety manager had not met the annual requirements for RCAs. There's a requirement that there's a minimum of what we call a minimum of eight patient safety analyses that are completed annually. And this can be a combination of things. One of those things is an RCA. When we spoke with the former patient safety manager about RCAs, they shared that completion of RCAs was impacted by the challenges of putting together an RCA team and that there were delays getting completed RCA paperwork back from the facility director and that that led to getting, again, prioritizing getting the patient safety issues resolved over completing the documentation. One last thing I'll note is that the former patient safety manager did also told us that they believed that supervisors didn't fully understand the demands of their job and didn't fully understand the demands of the patient safety program. And that that kind of resulted in this feeling of a lack of support and engagement with the program. That's a good point and a good way to transition to talking about the patient safety manager to to talking about the facility leaders. Um, You know, I heard you mention there that there was maybe an emphasis on just closing the actions uh, to meet uh, a timeline or to just be due to workload versus fully completing all the requirements of, uh, you know, a safety incident. Where was the facility leaders in, in, 
this process? Were they obviously were they were they aware of the workload, but how are they communicating this up to possibly to the vision or vision leadership or communicating it down to the you know medical facility staff? Um, how did facilities respond to that initial issue brief and what actions did they take or possibly failed to take? So, well, so the good news is that um, facility leaders did act to address those concerns and issues that were brought up in the issue brief. We learned that they took steps immediately to improve compliance with VHA requirements. And this is to, to get those JPSR events resolved and completed. And they did provide us with evidence that that had been taken care of in November of 2021. They also took steps to ensure that any overdue or outstanding RCAs were completed for that fiscal year. Our team was provided with documentation that we reviewed to ensure that this was completed. But one thing that our team looked at was who at the facility had awareness of the failures of the patient safety program. And, you know, it's kind of the who, what, when, where thing and who could have stepped in sooner and who could have acted on addressing these issues or identifying these issues. And so as a part of this, we assessed the supervision of the former patient safety manager. And then we also took a look at the facility's reporting structure. We found that the supervision of the former patient safety manager was ineffective for a few reasons. We learned that former supervisors of the, for, of the patient safety manager lacked access to um, some of the programs used by the patient safety program. So the JPSR was one program. There's also a program called WebSpot that's used as a database for RCAs. So former supervisors didn't have access to those systems. So they couldn't actually go into the systems to see kind of in real time, what, what were the statuses of JPSR events? You know, what were the statuses of RCAs? You know, were they overdue? Were they outstanding? You know, the, and they didn't have the ability to have oversight of the former patient safety manager's workload when it came to patient safety reports and RCAs. We also learned through speaking with supervisors and looking at personnel records that the former patient safety managers, supervisors were aware of performance issues. And so these are issues with incomplete RCAs that were identified in those OIG chip reports that I had mentioned earlier. And there were no formal performance improvement plans implemented to address those issues or sort of bring things up to compliance that we could find. We also spoke to supervisors and they described this approach of trusting but verifying when it came to what the former patient safety manager reported to them, either directly or in meetings. That kind of leads into the, the next thing about the oversight system at the facility not being effective. So when the framework of the patient safety program is that it's embedded and integrated into many of the facility's activities, and this includes everything from the reporting of events that I mentioned to various hospital committees that work to plan and kind of organize patient safety across the facility. So we learned that there were several areas where the patient safety manager reported patient safety events and program requirements, but supervisors and leaders just sort of trusted the word of the patient safety manager and didn't verify that these things were getting done. And you mentioned oversight. And as you look at the vision for that facility and the overall, you know, VHA policy. You know, what was the vision patient safety officer 
uh, aware of the delays and the issues with the JSPR and um, some of your findings? And was anything done? And what is really their role there beyond just um, oversight? Yeah, so the Vizin Patient Safety Officer has a responsibility related to overseeing patient safety programs throughout the Vizin. So for Tuscaloosa, this is Vizin 7. And the patient safety officer is really sort of uniquely positioned to identify these issues. So they actually have access to the JPSR system used for patient safety events. They had access to WebSpot used for RCAs. And so this is unlike the former PSM's actual supervisors there at the facility, the Vizin patient safety officer can go into the systems to see, you know, are JPSRs overdue, are RCAs outstanding or incomplete? And so we learned that the patient safety officer was aware of times when the former PSM was overdue in JPSRs but from time to time and then and would prompt the former PSM to bring those up to compliance. The 2019 and the 2020 CHIP reports I, I mentioned that had the reported RCA deficiencies. The Vizin PSO certainly, as a Vizin leader, was aware of those CHIP reports, but uh, we really couldn't find any evidence where that information was taken or that data was used to proactively sort of identify issues and address deficiencies with RCAs at the facility. We also learned that like the facility, the Vizin has a committee that's responsible for oversight of patient safety within the Vizin. Uh, this committee is made up of patient safety managers from the facilities all across the Vizin. They look at JPSR event trends, they look at RCAs, and we reviewed the minutes from this committee and we found that they really lacked evidence of regular discussions related to facility level compliance with VHA requirements like JPSR and RCA. And like you mentioned earlier, where you said that you know, a culture of safety or an effective patient safety program isn't is not it just doesn't rest on the shoulders of one individual. It really does rest on you know, the entire staff to include leadership at the facility level and as you just spoke to at the visit level. Is that a fair assessment that when you look at this report and you think about the things that this facility and maybe VHA can do better, it, it really comes down to leadership accountability and um, everyone leaning in and addressing these leadership issues and versus, I guess you could say, passing the buck. Yeah, you know, it really does. You know, certainly we can trust the, the staff that work for us, but as leaders of organizations, we really do have to verify that our programs are in compliance. And the responsibility of that lies at every level. And, you know, and, and going back to kind of the beginning of our conversations, you know, I, I, I said, you know, patient safety is a responsibility of everyone. And that really is from the frontline staff at the bedside all the way up to the Vision Network Director. And so there's layers of responsibility there. And, you know, this case is really an example of holes in the layers, holes in oversight, where the oversight wasn't strong enough to catch these mistakes from happening. It just sort of allowed these deficiencies to continue. That's an excellent summary. So in the report, your team made 11 recommendations related to determining which patient safety event reports that business patient safety officers will review. 
uh, the role of the Patient Safety Risk Management Subcommittee, as well as timely completion of safety event reporting and feedback to those employees who make the report. Better overall program oversight and accountability by all employees was also recommended. Uh, what is the status of those recommendations today, and what do you hope to, to see next? So, of course, BHA continues to work on the recommendations. One of our recommendations, and this was recommendation number five, was actually made to the Undersecretary for Health. We asked them to review the current process that's used for providing access to the JPSR system and to the WebSpot system used for RCAs to determine whether there were specific staff positions that would benefit from automatically receiving access to these databases upon being hired into the position. And, you know, we felt it was important for VHA to look at that because of the issues we identified with the former patient safety managers, supervisors being unable to provide sort of that hands-on oversight of the work in these systems because they didn't have access to these systems. VHA did review that. They provided information back to the OIG that they reviewed the process and determined that granting automatic access would not be appropriate due to some data integrity concerns. In conversation with our OIG leadership, it, the determination was made to go ahead and close that recommendation. Excellent. Uh, but our other, yeah, so our other recommendations remain open at this time, and our recommendations really highlight ways that facility the facility could strengthen compliance with their patient safety program requirements. And so those things like the JPSR requirements, the RCA requirements that we've kind of briefly talked about. And so, of course, after receiving the report, VHA responded back with an action plan to address those recommendations. And, you know, we as the OIG continue to monitor the status of those recommendations and, of course, have frequent follow-ups with VHA to, to monitor their response. Absolutely. Amanda, I really enjoyed speaking with you today. Is there anything you want to add before we wrap up? You know, I would just add that this report details deficiencies at just one VA medical center, but I think it would serve as a cautionary tale, really, to other facilities throughout VHA. There's lessons learned here that we can certainly apply to other facilities. And I really hope that other facility staff and facility leaders can take the information here and, and use these lessons to ensure the strength of their patient safety programs. That is a really good point, And I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, thank you again for your time today, Amanda. That was excellent. Listeners, if you found us on a podcast platform like Apple or Spotify, please follow us. Check back often for more episodes. If you're listening to Deathside from our website, you can find the report we're talking about today as well as other published work by clicking on the Publications tab. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been an official podcast of the VA Office of Inspector General. Inside Oversight is produced by the Office of Communications and Public Affairs and is available at va.gov forward slash OIG. Please subscribe and tune in monthly to hear how our work is helping to improve the lives of veterans. Visit the website to learn more about how the VAOIG conducts meaningful independent oversight. Report potential crimes related to VA, waste or mismanagement, potential violations of laws, rules or regulations, or risks to patients, employees or property to the OIG online or call the hotline at one 800 488-8244. If you are a veteran in crisis or concerned about one, 
Call the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255. Press 1 and speak with a qualified responder now.